Shall appear. 
We're delighted to have Brother Bruce Landon come and preach today. So, Brother, if you'll come at this time and uh, give us what God has laid upon your heart. God bless you, Brother. Put your mic on. All right. Well, it truly is a uh, blessing to be a part of what God is doing here at Red Hill Baptist Church for me and my wife and our three youngest children. And uh, when I went to Pastor Rodney and was talking to him a little bit about we'd like to join the church, he was telling me a little bit about what we needed to do, that we would need to meet with him. That was fine. And so I was telling our, our boys about that. You know, we're, uh, we believe God is leading us to join the church and we're going to need to meet with the pastor and talk to him a little bit about what's involved with that. And I told them that, that Pastor Rodney had invited me to preach. And my youngest son, Daniel, looked at me and he said, Well, Dad, does everybody have to preach before they can become members of Red Hill? And I, I, haven't, I didn't see it in the bylaws, but I don't think that's the case. But it is a blessing to be here. My voice is um, coming off of a sore throat, so I appreciate you lifting up a prayer. We're going to just trust God. Uh, this is about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's not about me. All right. And we are here to glorify him. But um, and also I, I'm very humbled and, and appreciative that our pastor invited me to, to bring the message this morning. Um, I know he is committed to God's word as our authority, as I, as I am. And so as long as we stick to this, I think we'll be OK. So bless you, pastor. If you would, turn in your copy of God's Word to the book of Ephesians. That's where we'll be today. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. What I want to look at today is unity. I want to look at unity. Um, Specifically, unity through peace. You know, there's a lot of talk in our society today about unity. In all corners of our country. There's a whole lot of talk in the political arena about unity or disunity. There's talk in communities. Do we have unity in our community? There's talk in families. Are we unified as a family? There's talk within churches and the church at large. Do we have unity within the church? Well, what is true unity? Is there anything that you and I as believers in Christ, is there anything that we should be doing about unity? So today, I want to look at what God has to say to us about these things. I want to read the passage first, starting in verse 1, chapter 4 of Ephesians. We'll read through it and then we'll walk through the text. God's Word says this, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Father, I pray now that you would open our spiritual ears to hear from you. This is your authoritative, inerrant word. It is infallible. 
And God, I pray you would do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul starts out here in verse 1 by saying that Christians are to walk worthy of the calling we have received. Now that may sound a little strange at first. We're supposed to, to live worthy of the calling that God has given us. But I think he summarizes where he's headed in verse 3 when he says that we are to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. We should be diligent, some translations say. I mean, you get the intensity there, right, of what God is trying to convey to us in this passage. We need to work hard at keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what he's saying here. I want to break this passage down into just two areas. The first area I want us to look at is the what of unity. In other words, what is unity, right? The second thing I want us to look at today is the how of unity. How do we do it? So let's look first at the what of unity. What exactly is unity? I think there's some confusion on that today, not just in the church, but in the society at large. We need to first understand that unity is not uniformity. Sounds similar, but it's a different concept. It's not uniformity. Uniformity is everyone or everything looking alike, acting alike, uh, for people agreeing on every minor issue. It's being same. It's sameness. That's what uniformity is. It's like kids who, you know, they go to a school and they have a, a uniform that all the kids have to wear. It's exactly the same every day, right? And it's a uniform of attire. It's a uniform of dress. That's uniformity. It's exactly the same. Well, that's not what God calls us to here in His Word. He calls us as Christians to unity. Alright, now, bear with me on this, but I would submit to you that we cannot have unity unless there is first diversity. Unity, by definition, comes out of diversity, right? I mean, look at us this morning. We're a diverse group of people, are we not? I mean, we don't look alike. There's nobody in here that looks exactly the same. Some of us look similar, right, because we're related. But nobody's exactly the same. Uh, we're not the same age. We have some very young, we have some very old, and a lot in the middle. There are two genders represented and we could talk a lot about the diversity between just those two genders, couldn't we? Right? There's diversity there. We all come from different backgrounds. We've been raised different ways. We may have similarities, but we've come different paths. All the people here, if we counted everybody here this morning, every single one of you traveled a different path in life to sit in here together this morning. We are a diverse group. We have different ideas about things. We have different expectations. We have different experiences that we've gone through. We're different. I submit to you, um, and this may be the last time I preach here, Pastor. That's okay. <laughs> I'm going to challenge us on some things this morning. Okay, I'm going to challenge us on some things. But I would submit to you that the place that I believe that unity among diversity should be the most gloriously displayed is in the church of the living God. 
It's in the church of Jesus Christ. That's where unity among diversity should be most gloriously displayed among God's people. So we see here that it's unity and not uniformity. Unity and diversity. This idea of unity is actually uh, somewhat based on oneness. And we get that from the text here, uh, from oneness. In verses 4 through 6, Paul uses the word one seven times. So seven different times he uses the word one. So look at those verses with me again. Verses 4 through 6. The text says this. God's Word says this. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. What Paul is doing here is he is stressing the what that we are to be unified around. One, one, one. These are the things that we are to be unified around. There is only one God. He is the God of the Bible. He has revealed Himself in the 66 books, this precious book that we call the Bible. There is one baptism, the baptism that publicly proclaims a personal person's personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There is one faith. It's the truth. There is one faith. It is the sometimes what we call the essential beliefs of Christianity. So follow me on this if you would. There's, there's an essential list. It's, it's not real long. There are things that God has revealed plainly in His Word that tell us this is what a Christian is and this is what a Christian should believe. We have minor things we can disagree on, but there are essentials here. And it's what we call the faith. And it unites us as Christians. It's, it's a sad thing today that there are people inside the church. When I say the church, I'm talking about the church universal, all right? Not just specifically our local church. But there are people inside the church and outside the church today, and they are preaching things that don't line up with this, and they're calling themselves Christians, right? They're, they're, some of them are preaching a different gospel than what's in here. Some of those folks are preaching a different Jesus than what's in here. But that's not Christianity. They can choose to believe that. That's okay. They're wrong. They can choose to believe that. But don't call yourself a Christian. There is one faith, one God, one baptism, one Spirit, and it's all found in here. I'm thankful for our pastor. I can call you my pastor now. That's a blessing. Uh, I'm thankful for our pastor who is committed to God's Word. There are folks that are standing in pulpits this morning in so-called Christian churches in certain places and they're not preaching God's Word. They don't believe God's Word. Or not all of it. And that's a blessing to have a pastor who's committed to God's Word. So we see that the Bible teaches that we are to have unity around the truth. Right? If we all get in tune with the truth, then we'll all be in tune with each other. I just love the way... A.W. Tozer says this in his book, The Pursuit of God. It's a short quote. I'm just going to quote him here, okay? He says, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically tuned to each other? He goes on. They are of one accord being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. 
You catch that? You got a bunch of pianos, or maybe you got an orchestra, you got a band, time to tune up. If this one tunes to that one, and that one tunes to this one, and that one tunes to that one, it doesn't mean they're going to be in tune with each other, does it? They're probably not going to be. But if that one tunes to the true tuning fork, and that one tunes to the standard, and that one tunes to the fork, and if they're all in tune with the true tune, then what? They're all in tune with each other. And that's what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ, is it not? Right? Do we have a standard? We have a standard, right? And if we are all in tune with God's Word, we'll be in tune with each other, won't we? That's unity. See, we don't just unify around anything. You believe whatever you want. Super large tent. Everybody come in. We'll call you a Christian. No. The Gospel and the Bible itself and what it teaches is exclusive if you choose to, to believe something else. You can do that. But that's not Christianity. We have unity around the truth, which is the standard, which is God's Word. So that's the what of unity. All right, That's what unity is. Let's move on to the how of unity. And simply by that I mean, how do we keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace? In verse 2 here in our passage, there is a short list. It is a very short list. It's a partial list of how to do this. And I've grouped it into just three small groups. But if we were to get those three things down, I think we'd be well on our way to having unity in the Spirit. So let's, let's look at verse 2 again. It says, verse 2, it says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Alright, so let's take humility first. Newsflash, right? Breaking news. Seems like every time you turn on the news on TV, whatever it is, it's breaking, right? But here's some breaking news, and I'm, I'm just joking. I, I think it's uh, uh, probably well known. Being humble is not on the top of our list. Our human nature is such that we don't generally like to be humble, do we? Right? It's not something that comes naturally for us. If someone tells you, do this, and I mean now, what's our first tendency? Don't tell me what to do. I don't want to do that. Right? Or, don't do that. What do we want to do? I just want to do it. Right? That's in our human nature, our fleshly nature. It reminds me of the little boy. You may have heard this story. I don't know. But he was a little boy in class in school. He always had trouble behaving. He, he really struggled with just staying in his seat. He would pop up during class. And the problem was he would go around and bother the other kids during class. And the teacher struggled with trying to get little Johnny to stay in his seat day after day. Sit down. Sit down. And he's going around. One day it was just too much for him. Right? So the teacher as only a good teacher could do, walked over to little Johnny and uh, gently grabbed his ear. Yeah, this used to happen, right? And gently led him to the corner of the class and gently led him down in a chair facing the corner. And she looked at him and said, sit there until I tell you you can get up. Johnny was furious. The little boy just looked up at his teacher and he said, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> Isn't that just like you and me? Man, oh man. It's just like you and me. 
We don't want to be humble. Here's another challenge for us this morning. Somebody in this church may have offended you at some time. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was 20 years ago. I don't know. Somebody maybe in your family. I don't know. Somebody in another state. I don't know. There may be people in our congregation that you just don't like. And you don't even know why you don't like them. It's just always been that way. Right? Um, And we're all in here sitting together. Right? We're here in church. This is where we should be. And we're sitting together. And you may be standing against somebody in your heart this morning. And that should not be. We need to have an approach of humility in our relationships. We need to make sure that we're sitting in our hearts as we deal with each other. The second way we should work toward unity is with gentleness. It's also there in verse 2. Gentleness, some of our translations translate that meekness. It means the same thing. Meekness, another grossly misunderstood understood word. Meekness is not weakness with a W. Gentleness is not weakness as defined by the Bible. I think a good definition is it is strength under control. It is strength under control. Our greatest example of that is Jesus Himself, right? When Jesus walked the earth, He was God in flesh. He had the power of God in both natures, right? He had two natures, the the nature of God and the nature of humanity. And He walked the earth fully human and fully God, but He had the power of God in His person. And what happened to Jesus when He walked the earth? People would argue with Him. He was never wrong. They would argue with Him, right? They would spit in His face. They would accuse Him falsely of doing wrong things. They would try to trap Him, right? They ridiculed Him. And Jesus could have used that omnipotent strength and wiped them out. But what did Jesus do? He kept that incredible God strength under control. And He treated people with gentleness when they deserved judgment. Gentleness. Strength under control. We serve a merciful God. And let me say this related to that. I know you know this, but the world teaches a completely different thing, don't they? Completely different thing than gentleness and meekness. The world loves to be harsh and abrasive, right? I mean, today in America, it's almost considered a virtue if you're brash and offensive, right? The world says you want to be successful, you got to be rude, you got to be in people's face, right? You got to be harsh. You got to be self-centered and uncivilized, right? Got another challenge for us this morning. As Christians, we need to make sure we never fall into that trap. Sometimes, and probably for most of us already in here this morning, we have already been in this situation and we'll probably be in this situation again where you personally will have a position of power or strength over someone else. Maybe in the family, in the community, at work, at school, in the church. You are going to be in a position of power and strength over someone else. We should never, never, ever use our power over someone else 
to meet our own selfish needs. That is sin. Never use our power over someone else toward our own selfish ends. That is sin. Whether it's in the church or out of the church. Have you ever been harsh with someone? Have you ever taken advantage of the situation and lorded it over them because you had the position and they didn't? We need to show gentleness. We need to show gentleness. The third and last way we work toward unity, also in verse 2 that we saw, is being patient and bearing with one another in love. Being patient or long-suffering, as some of our translations say, right? Another thing that we can't wait to wake up in the morning and say, great, I can't wait to be patient with somebody today. Right? No, we just, that's not our human nature. We don't, it's not the top of our list. It's a tough one for us. I love this wonderful verse, 2 Peter 3, 9. It says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Christian, before you were saved, God was patient with you. He was waiting for you. He was long-suffering with you. If you are not a Christian... If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you don't know that forgiveness. But here's the deal. God is still waiting very patiently for you. Now, I don't know. I don't no one knows how long we have, right, on this earth. No one knows. God's long suffering has an end. His patience has an end. I plead with you today to get right with God. I think it's interesting here in verse 2 that Paul puts patience right next to bearing with one another in love. Patient, bearing with one another in love. You see, patience is kind of that endurance. It's the tolerance of of the person. We're, We're doing what we can to get along with them. But the Scripture doesn't stop there. The Scripture goes another step farther for those who are believers, right? For us, brothers and sisters in Christ. And and what the I'll just read it to you. Galatians 6, 2 says this. Bear one another's burdens... And so fulfill the law of Christ. One translation says, carry one another's burdens. That's the next step. Yeah, we we need to be patient, but we need to bear with one another to the point where we're actually bearing one another's burdens. I couldn't help but think when I was studying for this that um, it's not like the old days. The old days you had briefcases, and those of you who don't know what that is, I can explain it to you sometime. You young folks, I have still have one buried in the attic somewhere. Today, what, what's everybody have? They have a backpack, right? They have the backpack. They carry their stuff sometimes over one shoulder. And you see it out in the workplace all the time. The computers are in there. Their paperwork. Uh, at the airport, people travel. They've got their backpack and their traditional luggage. But, you know, the kids, almost all the little kids even have a backpack now, right? And I can't, but I have this picture in my mind of this little child with this big backpack, right? Both straps on, trying to get to the bus. And that backpack is too big for that child. He is overburdened. He needs someone to come alongside and help him bear his burden. That's the picture I get when I look at this. And I think the same thing is going on to some degree in in our churches, right? 
Yes, we're patient with one another. Yes, we need to endure. But we need to go the next step, right? We need to go to the next step because the person, did I tell you is going to challenge us some this morning? All right, here's another one. The person that is, is being rude to you, or maybe the person that's just you really have a hard time getting along with, they may be carrying a really heavy backpack that's full of so much hurt that you just don't know about. And maybe you don't need to know about. And that's the way that they're responding because they don't know what else to do. They can't carry it. They're hunched over with their load. And what they need and what God tells us to do, Christian, to go to that person and help them bear their burden. Do you see that? We all go through times when we hurt. We all carry heavy loads from time to time. Let's be patient with one another and bear one another's burdens. I'll close with this. I don't know your situation. Certainly God knows everything about you. He knows all about your relationships. He knows everything. But are you struggling with a certain relationship in your life right now? Maybe there's someone who has genuinely hurt you. And, and people, it's real pain. People do real damage. So we don't want to discount that, right? There's real damage done, sometimes on purpose, sometimes the person doesn't even know. There's real hurt that we carry, right? But sometimes we hold on to that pain. Sometimes we hold on to that pain so long that it turns into a root of bitterness. And sometimes, even though that bitterness and, and that hurt, it, it, you know, we feel the pain, we kind of get to the point where we like it and we don't want to get rid of it. Well, maybe today's the day take that pack off. I love the way that, uh, man, there's no book like this. The, the last verse in chapter 4, and this one I'm going to close with, the last verse in chapter 4 tells us the answer. It's right here where Paul's been talking about it. Verse 32, I'll just read it to you. It says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, as God has forgiven you. We are... In the Christmas season. I love the Christmas season. But what's the true meaning of Christmas? The true meaning of Christmas is that God loved everyone that He created so much that He sent His one and only Son. And Jesus humbled Himself and condescended to our level to walk with us and he was born in a feeding trough. Why did he come? He came to forgive us of the ugly sins that we cannot get rid of. Christian, we have been forgiven great, great things. Forgive one another just as God also has forgiven you. My invitation to you this morning... If you have never accepted Jesus Christ, I'd say today's a great day to do that, to give your heart to Him. And Christian, is there someone that maybe you need to reconcile with? Today would be a good day to do that. Maybe that's been out there for a long time. I don't know. I don't even know most of you, let alone know your situations. God does. Maybe there's someone that God has convicted you about that you need to help bear their burden. You know who it is. Maybe today's the day that you step out and do that. Or maybe today is the day that you finally, finally 
forgive that person that you know you need to forgive. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We worship you. We just submit our lives to you. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do now. And we just give this time of invitation to you. In Jesus' name, amen.